welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the Collider weekly podcast for all things animation, including reviews and interviews coming to you from the Koga Ninja Clan. I'll be your co-host, Sean Paul Ellis, and joining me from the Ega Ninja Clan, who's also happened to be reading Romeo and Juliet, uh, my co-host, Dave Trumbord. David, 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 how's it going, It's bud? going real good. Just catching up on a classic. How about you? What you been up to over there? Yeah, Did you say COVID Ninja Clan? I co- no, no, Koga? Oh, that's much better. I mean, you're our mortal yeah. enemies for centuries and centuries, but woof, I was right. real concerned that there was a COVID Ninja Clan that came out. We don't need that. We don't need no. COVID-powered ninjas in the year 2020. <laughs> Scrap that. Yeah, wow. If there was ever anything to cancel. 2020 has been a year so far, so. And when I say year and it sounds like a question, I really mean this has obviously felt like it's a decade inside of a year. So exactly. this is where we are again. Which is why we stay home and read classics like Romeo and Juliet, slightly skewed and maybe reimagined in the feudal Japan era, just for fun. <laughs> for no reason at all. During this point, though, we have a great opportunity, though, to go back and look through all of our listener recommendations. True. We have to. Which is super fun because we have to. Yeah. Again, Dave, why do we have to cartoon do it? Cartoon lawyers. Cartoon and cartoon lawyers. law. The ironclad cartoon. cartoon law. They are in our face every day saying, why haven't you listened to all of these listener reviews? But socially distant and respectful. Yeah, it's normally over a Skype call yeah so nobody's ever actually Just coming in to our, house. our camera lens unless it's in person to hand us a cease and desist True, which happens more <laughs> often then, than you might think yep so <laughs> we have had a chance to go through and look through all of these different listener suggestions we get a very special one we've had this one in queue and we have been waiting to to listen and watch this cartoon charles from michigan has called in and he has told us why we should watch today's program basilisk so we're going to get into this but we're actually going to hear from charles so we're going to turn this over to charles to tell us a little bit why we should watch basilisk so charles take it away hey this is charles from michigan i would like to suggest the cartoon basilisk it is an amazing anime i want to say it came out 2004 2005 by Gonzo Entertainment. It is the greatest version of Romeo and Juliet because it's Romeo and Juliet plus politics plus magical ninjas. Nothing is cooler than magical ninjas. There's a follow-up series, which is total garbage. Totally avoid that one. The show is just simply called Basilisk. Also, there's a cool option of maybe reading the novel it's based on called The Kogan Ninja Scrolls. Great show, Romeo and Juliet, politics, ninjas. Love the podcast. Have a good one. Awesome, Charles. Thank you so much. Also, nothing is cooler? I don't know, man. That's pretty cool. Absolutely nothing is cooler. I mean, I get magical ninjas being cool, yeah. but nothing is cooler? I th- it's definitely cooler than Romeo and Juliet. Now, I mean, Whoa. yeah, no, shots fired. I'm canceled. Oh, I, know, I know, I <laughs> know. Did Shakespeare just join this podcast? You might What's have. Going, you Special really guest just, on next week's you episode. You bailed on that idea real fast, Dave. <laughs> it is true, though. Like, like uh, Romeo and Juliet, obviously the story's been done a million different ways, but sure. yet this is the first time that I was like, oh, add like super-powered, superhuman ninja fights into the middle of it. Okay, that's something I haven't seen before. So thanks to Charles for bringing this to our attention. You, 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 you didn't 
read the original and just insert that in your brain to like make it a little easier to read like pride and prejudice and zombies yeah yeah no if I you did, did I would have written it, you know, sixty years ago before uh, Yamada did, and uh, oh. <laughs> I would have I been a millionaire by now. And you didn't watch traveler. the Baz Luhrmann version of Oof. Romeo and Juliet and just assume that everybody that was in there was a ninja. I mean, I, I now I want that. Okay, I wouldn't mind that. Oh. I wouldn't mind a modern retelling of Basilisk uh, over yeah. another Romeo and Juliet tale. But yeah, <laughs> perfect. Were you familiar I... at all with this before we actually had it from our listener suggestion? Uh, uh yes, but I'll explain why when we actually get into it. Well, okay then. Well, I mean, I just it's it's hard not it's it's hard to watch this and not draw a parallel to another yes. piece from <laughs> 1993 <laughs> that you cannot distinguish it no, from. So there were moments where I was like, "Wait, am I watching something Same. that I watched a lot in college?" Same. Okay, yeah. I'm on board. So, and I think everybody who's probably uh, familiar with Basilisk and or Ninja Scroll mm-hmm. is familiar with what I'm saying. Yep. So no worries there. But we want to thank Charles for reaching out. A lot of people have reached out over social media, uh, Twitter or Facebook or in the comments of YouTube. Guess what? It's impossible to keep track of that because you're just screaming into the void of the Internet. And because we don't want that, we want to take those recommendations that you guys have and we want to be able to include it in the actual episode like we were able to include Charles. We have that mechanism. Guys, it's 2020 and, and we have that technology. So everybody, we we really recommend if you want to tell us to watch a cartoon, go to the bio of any of our social media accounts. Click on that link tree. I think it's the second button. It will take you right to a suggestion form. Or there's also a number, 202-681-4406. If you call that, we will 100% review that cartoon. Our cartoon lawyers say we have to review all the ones that are Collins. If you write one in, we're hopefully going to get to it if we haven't already eventually. But anybody who leaves a message, you take priority and we love you. So, and it also just makes sure that we can ensure the proper shout out that you get in the actual episode. Don't worry about being able to write down any of this. Just go to our social media, click that link tree, pull up that button. You can drop us a review. We will review your cartoon. Can't wait to do it. And I mean, we have to cartoon lawyers, cartoon lawyers. Don't know what else to say. Otherwise you go to cartoon prison and then we can't do these yeah, shows. It's a, it's a cycle. It's just a sick cycle. Oh no. <laughs> well, if you have never seen Basilisk mm-hmm. before or Ninja Scroll, we are going to get into the synopsis before we break down the show for you. But we have to turn it over to a longtime friend and listener of the show, Bobby Anthem for the synopsis of Basilisk. So Bobby, take it away. The year is 1614 AD. Two warring ninja clans, each supporting a son of Hidetada Tokugawa as the next shogun, send representatives to fight each other to the death for control, winner take all. The deadly competition between these elite ninja unleashes a centuries-old hatred that threatens to destroy all hope for peace between them for the next millennium. Awesome. Thank you, Bobby, as always. Dave, yeah. where are we placing Bobby in the Basilisk universe? It, and I'm saying this because I, I don't want this to be... Is it my turn, though? No, I can't remember. This is No, no, no. I don't want this to be competitive. I'm just saying, what if Bobby was... If there was like a narrator mm. that just sort of gave you the overview of everything? Because let's there be very clear. There's a lot that happens. There's a lot of moving parts, and it right, all happens right, very right. quickly in the matter of like 10 days, which is insane. Uh, it took me longer to watch some of these episodes. Than, <laughs> um, 
we do kind of have a narrator. I was thinking, what if Bobby was either the head of another clan that was like on the outside of this, kind of watching from the outside? I'd like to see him as mm. like the head of a clan. Okay. All right. Or like I, a, like I, a twenty first ninja, maybe like somebody mm. on the outside who's like too smart to get all caught up in this family drama because it's just like Hatfields and McCoys or you know the Romeos and the Juliets. The Montagues and Capulets. You think I didn't know? <laughs> you thought I didn't know? But I sat here reading it. <laughs> in preparation for this podcast <laughs> no i mean it, it definitely is that family drama yeah. and i could see bobby being sort of dare i say he could be the hattori hanzo he could be of kind of all of this he could, he could just kind of be like hanging back very notable hattori hands figure. off more like oh yeah, damn that's good saving that one were you really just holding on nah, to that one that just came up out of nowhere you okay it's just that was dave improvising that, and that was it scene. that's all you'll ever get that that's the best i'll ever do <laughs> well awesome well let's get into a little yeah. bit of basilisk so that we can <laughs> so that we can uphold our end of the cartoon lawyer bargain that we've made to charles uh we are going to talk about the good the bad and the lol does that sound like it's a spaghetti western 100 percent because we pulled it straight from that same idea we're going to talk a little bit about the good, what we like about Basilisk, and what we found to be very fun about it. We're going to talk about the bad, things that didn't resonate with us, things that we did not necessarily love about it, and we'll make some small critiques. We're also going to talk about the LOLs, or in this instance, there's not a ton of LOLs, no. so we're actually going to maybe introduce a whoa moment, whoa. where we're just kind of like, whoa, uh, where something was revealed, or there is maybe something special that happened that kind of took us aback or that we thought was really cool. So we'll talk a little bit about that all under the umbrella and understanding that a lot of time, sweat, blood, energy, monster energy drinks goes into making an animated piece, especially a series like Basilisk. So just to be respectful of everything that they have here, a lot of really cool things, uh, but we're going to break it down. And as we're doing that, we should note and mention that for this particular episode, we are going to be talking a lot about episode 24, right. which is called Requiem. And it's the series you, finale. Yeah. Right. And it's the series finale. Also, highest rated episode on IMDb, which has led us in that direction. Dave and I have also done some bonus homework. Yeah. This is a rough some one to just dive Jonas into homework. if you if you haven't watched anything else. And you're just kind of like, what the shit, what is going on in this yeah. episode? So, yeah, probably a good idea to watch at least some recap episodes. Like episode 10 is a great recap episode <laughs> for the previous nine that I wish I had watched first. Uh, so check that out if you want a bit of a, a jump start. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it's a, we, we've watched a bunch of bonus episodes for this to kind of fill in some of those gaps because there is a lot that happens. And let's be honest, as Dave mentioned, if you were only watching episode 24, which the entire series is available on Hulu mm -hmm. right now, if you only watched that final episode, it would have been like reading the last paragraph or the last chapter of Romeo and Juliet. Which is what I did. And it's great. It's just, <laughs> that's the only way that I prepare for this. Yeah, it's all clear to yeah. me now. We're going to be talking about a little bit more, but we're going to be focusing on what we had for episode 24 for Requiem. Yeah. So Dave, to kick us off in terms of the good, what stood out to you? What were you enjoying about Basilisk? Other than just the name being cool. I did. I still don't understand Basilisk, right? So I don't, I, I don't get it. It's not a, you know, there's no Harry Potter nonsense here. It's, it's well before and after that. Uh, I don't really know what the name's about, but I dig pretty much everything else about this anime. I like the idea that it's kind of like a heightened Romeo and Juliet story with, like Charles mentioned, 
uh, ninjas, insane powers, and it's just super gory and bloody, and it's definitely very mature, and you just have almost constant battles. Now, some of them are philosophical, and some of them, most of them, are just straight-up gory, violent, physical battles that you get to see them play out. So if that appeals to you, then yeah, you're probably going to like this show. So luckily it appealed <laughs> to me, uh, and that's one of the things that I thought was pretty good about it. <laughs> But like, like you mentioned that, you know, we've got some comparisons to other things. So what about you? What's like a high level for you? I, I, I'm i going to start almost like at the very, very beginning of this episode with even just the intro, which I want to almost kind of break into three separate pieces. Sure. One is the Funimation intro. <laughs> right. Uh, nothing says it's time to watch anime like getting the Funimation intro. Not- for me... It cued me right in. Nothing says it's time for you Westerners to watch this anime we licensed yeah. from Japan. <laughs> yep. Like the Funimation intro. And I'm not Correct. knocking them. I've watched a ton of Funimation, a ton of Mation over the last, you know, <laughs> 25 years. And I continue to do so. Uh, it's just they do kind of get that stigma of like, you know, licensing the Japanese anime and bringing them over. Thankfully, in recent years, between them and Crunchyroll, they've been able to kind of like bring simulcasts so we can all watch them together more or less, which has been great. You you think about it, too, during that point where they weren't able to simulcast. Right. I feel like in many cases, Funimation was the only way that we were able to get accessibility to, to a lot of those licensing yeah. uh, IPs that they have that are, you know, in Japan and China and all throughout Asia. So awesome. So thanks, Funimation. We should mention, though, too, that we watched the subtitled version because that's, to my mind, the only thing that's available on Hulu. So Correct. it wasn't even, again, they get a knock sometimes for their, like, dubs. Uh, it wasn't even a Funimation dub. It was just they were licensed, and they brought them over, and we watched pretty much the original version uh, with, I don't think, anything edited or changed from the original, just with that Funimation stamp on the beginning. Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it we get a little, like, right after the Funimation, we get sort of, like, a very quick story with... A, a snake, which is maybe the basilisk <laughs> I, that's in question. I guess, but I, don't I feel like that's only know. half the story. I, yeah. And the other half being a hawk. Yeah. And them kind of locked in this, again, as Dave has mentioned, this is a very violent, very gory anime. So they're sort of locked in this battle. You, It, it appears like the hawk has won, but at the same time, the basilisk has basically is consuming the head of the hawk and the hawk is biting the basilisk in half. Uh, so hey, foreshadowing. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so yeah, every, bit. every episode you get this. By the way, it's like the beginning <laughs> of the theme song. So just yeah. in case you forget from episode to episode, yeah. that's what's going on. You know, in some cases, I think these are very like I, I've made mention about this before in, in intros. It's great sometimes when you do this, maybe in those first nine up to that mid-season break or recap episode that anime is is classically known for. That's fine. But then moving forward, maybe you kind of ditch it because at that point you think if you're, you know, going to the end of the season, you probably have that context. This is like, nope, we're going to remind you every single time. Even up to the last episode. I think that's because this kind of came from that era still. This was only 2005, but still a while ago where it was just, you know, they made the theme song in the intro that stayed the same throughout the entire series. It wasn't until later, you know, Naruto is, is one of the ones that's great for this. Every arc. They have a different theme song. They have a different intro. They have uh, visuals that will kind of tell you what's going to happen in the arc or the season that's coming up. This is the same block, the same music, the same animation, the same everything for 24 episodes. And it's not a bad thing. It's just saying it's it's very consistent because they made the theme song an intro and then they blocked off whatever the other 22 minutes were or whatever for their production run through scripts and storyboards and all that stuff too. So it was 
you're starting to see sort of like the nuts and bolts of the production with stuff like that. For the, better the, or worse. the little bit maybe of the the cookie cutterness yes, of how definitely. these things were blocked out, sure. and that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's funny because you say 2005. There were a lot of Funimation anime that kind of came out around that time. Do you know some other ones just off the top of your off head? Top Dave? of my head now, because that was sort okay. of like leaving, you know, post college, uh, getting into other stuff. <laughs> so no, not sitting around in the dorm <laughs> watching Adult now, Swim or whatever. So no. This is where we had a lot of Samurai Champloo. Sure. Eureka Seven. Uh, so I mean, you know, just sort of some of that Trinity blood I remember is one that I had watched back in that day. So there were a lot of things that were coming out around that time, uh, you know, that were being brought over thanks to Funimation to an American audience for the first time yeah. uh, that I remember from that period. So it's, it's crazy to think about sort of what some of those contemporaries were during that period. And that this is something that came after, I, I know probably a lot of people who are my age and our age, Dave watched, you know, so much, uh, anime thanks to Adult Swim, yep. you know, and, and sort of like those late night runs where yeah, they would have, and, and Tsunami, it would be like, definitely. yeah, and, and Toonami. And so you, you think about like Cowboy Bebop came out before this, you think like Trigun came out before this. So there's tons and tons of stuff. Uh, so this, this is very interesting because we then are greeted after the reminder of, of how the nuts and the bolts and the cookie cutter is going to work with a rockin' intro theme song. <laughs> that was good, man. Yeah. Anytime you get fun. those guitar riffs in there with a little bit of rock flute, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, flute making a comeback. Seeing it every once in a while. Yeah. Loving it. Loving it Not in 2005. <laughs> was it popular in 2005? I guess it must think? have been. When did Anchorman yeah, come been. out with the jazz rock flute? Oh, God, I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that was, yeah, I guess maybe mid to late 2000s. Something like that, yeah. No idea, but it works but yeah. for the show. They they do a good job of it. This is kind of like the dedicated. I wish more kind of you know Western American um, cartoons and animated series did stuff like this, and they're getting to now. But I feel like we're we're behind the trend <laughs> where you actually have like a solid standalone dedicated animation sequence like this. Right, and it's very fun too because uh, one of the things that we'll talk about in a little bit is sort of the rolling cast of characters, yeah. and so you do get. A, a very nice kind of preview of some of the characters. In fact, all of the characters that we are going to see throughout the entire series, like all 26, 24 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's expansive. And the challenging thing is, is that you're not getting any name nope. or, or title card for anybody. They're just, they're all doing something fun and exciting. And it, you just sort of get maybe like a little flash of some of their powers. Or they're just and standing they're there looking cool. And some of them look exactly <laughs> like other ones. And you're just kind of like, well, wait a minute. Which, who are you again? Which one were you? Oh, yeah. I, I there, there are a couple of characters that I got confused every once in a while. And it was because one had slightly darker hair and one had slightly lighter hair. Or and one just has like a almost... mean expression and one is more like friendly. That's it. Like that's the only yeah, difference that's... in their character design is like one like narrows his eyes at you. And the other one's just yeah, big puppy dog eyes. That's it. Yeah. Good that's... luck. And that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's The good news it's... is they'll start killing each other off soon enough anyway. So there's not that many to remember. If you're keeping score, just get a 10 by 10 board, <laughs> yeah. write a bunch of names down or just, just numbers, attributes even. like sure. big puppy dog eyes, sure. you know, kind of like very square staring at you eyes. And then just systematically just, just begin to kind of out. put red check yeah. X's through everything. That's how this show is going to proceed. Yeah. It is 24 episodes of a killing spree. Pretty much. Yeah. Which is, yeah. It, it's interesting because that's, you don't think of that when you think of Romeo and Juliet normally, but. There are other anime that have done this as well. They set up kind of tournament style 
or they sent up, you know, you, you could even think of things like Bloodsport. You know, it's just tournament kind right. of fighting, but this has a lot more kind of narrative structure to it than just a fighting contest. There's a lot more going on here. Why are we conditioned to love this? And I, I don't say this, uh, you know, just like in general, like everybody is conditioned, but I, I'd say Me and you myself, specifically, yeah. Yeah, me and you. Like, I'm going to talk for our perspective. Sure. Like, I don't want to put words in anybody else's mouth, but I, I know ours. I grew up. Yeah, yeah except ours. I, I, well, because we can chat about yeah. it. <laughs> everybody listening is like, I can't, you can't hear us, dum-dum. Like, don't worry yeah, about trust it. Trust me, it doesn't stop them from trying. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I knew I grew up in arcade culture yeah. going to arcades every saturday morning you know mortal Kombat, street fighter 2 street fighter 2 turbo uh you know karate all kid of these yeah all these fighting games blood sport as you mentioned yeah. you know different things that were you know basically like one verse one uh, even wwe characters Before right it was yeah. wwe yeah exactly so you know just the that that process of fighting games even to the point where I, i've made mention to dave something i've been watching Aside from this show, has been the uh, the Netflix animated series Baki, yeah. which is just tournament fighting. Yeah. The entire third season is nothing but tournament fighting. But see, I think that's part of your answer right there. It is a simple formula. You right. don't really need anything else in there. You say a bunch of uh, elite, you know, Street Fighter. I don't I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but like you you bring in a bunch of elite fighters from a location. Doesn't matter where it is. If it's you know, Dragon Ball does the same thing. You, people want to watch it because it's just like a bunch of high-level fighters going after each other uh, with the the ultimate goal of either winning, surviving, or just beating everybody else just to prove that you can. It's very simple and it's very kind of like primal. And the cool thing is, even if you root for some people and you root against other people, you still want to see everybody kind of do their best and put their best effort on display because you want to see how powerful everybody is, how cool the moves are, what kind of weapons you're bringing, what kind of skills you have. That's the fun part. And then you can get caught up in the, the drama and stuff, but it's normally secondary. This show flips that a little bit. Right. It's funny that you mentioned that. And I, I would agree. I think maybe one of the more recent movies that I've watched where it has been somebody at the top of their game in a very simple kind of like versus setting has been the John Wick movies. Yeah, exactly. And every time that that happens, you're like, oh, I'm watching somebody who's the best at what they do. That's that's like a one v all every tournament. Yeah, yeah which is <laughs> right. unusual. I mean, that goes back to like even the Bruce Lee movies and stuff too. Ah, man, I can't remember yeah. which one it was, but where he's kind of climbing that that tower at the end and fighting somebody on every level. Uh, that was, I think that was the unfinished one that the plan was to go up that like pagoda and like fight everybody on, on every level and have like a mini boss each level. Uh, but for obvious reasons, they didn't quite ever finish that movie unless I'm getting them confused. But it's just to say, you know, going back over the last, you, you could look through, uh, human history where we've always been fascinated with like gladiatorial combat and, and tournament style fighting and the, the winnowing down of, uh, losers and winners and eventually getting to one ultimate winner. I think it's a pretty yeah. primal thing. I mean, look at literally any sports, <laughs> any sporting <laughs> event ever. It's pretty much I, that. And I say all this recognizing that maybe a month ago they had, uh, it was online, I think it's through 36 Chambers or 36 Cinema, they did The Mystery of Chess Boxing, mm. which is a, you know, uh, like a classic martial arts uh, fighting movie. But they have, it's the first time that they ever referenced the Ghostface Killer, uh. which obviously there's a lot of inspiration for the Wu-Tang Clan. Right. And so, uh, but 
uh, Riza from the Wu-Tang Clan was actually there talking about it and talking about all of the martial arts and the scenes and everything that went into it because it wasn't a studio film. It was actually an independent film. Mm. And so just to, to look at the different sequences and everything and, and kind of, again, as we've mentioned, sort of break down the mechanics and the nuts and bolts of how some of these things work. I think you're right. I think, it, you know, it's it's very simple in terms of its formula. You get it. And you get to see somebody who's at the peak or the pinnacle of whatever that martial arts or, or whatever that fighting style is uh, perform. And there are surprises, I think, you know, in terms of what we can do you, in the human body. Definitely. Or not in the case of uh, Basilisk, because it's like there's some weird backstory that's never really explained in the anime. I think it comes to the front more in the book. Uh, but there's like generations of inbreeding to kind of highlight and emphasize certain traits which make all these people just like <laughs> they're they're insane without getting into any kind of like nicknames or whatever for them they're just they're just completely insane their power sets are bizarre uh but they're super fun to watch it reminded me of old school mortal Kombat, but back then we didn't need a story wrapped around that they were just like it's a it's a tournament featuring fighters from like different realms we're like cool fine i'll Got just it. pick whoever Jack i want and just quarters yeah see what i can do but then, you know, I just played MK11, and now it's more like a story of realm versus realm, or good versus evil, or mortal versus god, or it's they've, they've kind of figured out that they need a story to keep that kind of idea going. You gotta be Chronicus. You just that's gotta do it. You just gotta shatter gotta that shatter that hourglass. Yeah, yep. that's it. That's all you gotta do. We bring up, and we're talking about all of this, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this are these ninja powers, yeah. these these ninpo that they have so that, are, that are in this these in many cases were holy crap moments for me they're so much fun to watch but they were also confusing because i've seen some of them before and then again yeah. i was like wait am i still watching the right thing yeah we'll we'll, we'll chat about that a little yeah, bit more we're but saving I, you know, we it. we bring all this up because there are just really cool things that you see in continuing uh, either comparative powers or new powers yeah. that are brought up that are that are introduced that are, are very you, fun to watch did you have a favorite or a couple favorites from the group uh i or one that you would like to have or one cool. that you would absolutely hate to fight against oh i mean i'd hate to fight against tenzin now uh, refresh myself and literally everyone else listening for who tenzin is he has a regeneration yeah and he's the immortal ninja and it's uh it's it's very He's a very interesting character. He's an Iga ninja uh, from their clan, and and he is very deadly. And you are there's a bunch of really kind of what the heck is actually going on yes. moments in this, <laughs> which is real tough to pick up on if you've only watched the finale. Yep. And yep. even in the finale, there is a moment where I was. It's straight body horror. And if you're if you've been listening for any period of time, the thing. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, body horror stuff like that. I'm 100% on board, and they do a great job of introducing and bringing that into this show in seemingly the last couple seconds of it. So, just very weird. I'm gonna have to ask what that was about because I don't remember that from the finale. Maybe sure. I so the he, wrong thing. he has that symbiote that is in him that uh, looks like a little like smiling face, oh, a little and whatever he get, whatever he gets. Bud. Yeah, whenever he gets cut or he gets injured, it goes under his skin and kind of like bites and eats at where the wound is and sort of heals him from the inside. So yeah. he can be he can be impaled, he can be stabbed, his beheaded. head can get cut off. Yeah. Uh, and in the in the beheading portion of this, when they put 
the head back onto the body and the little little face just kind of like shows up for a snack on the neck. Uh, there, there's a moment where uh, Obero looks directly at him and uses her her power, which uh, neutralizes yeah. Nimpo. She's got the mystic eyes. Mystic eyes. And she uses mystic eyes on him. And the symbiote uh, just kind of, instead of forming everything and, and healing his cut on his neck, the symbiote just like takes over his neck and begins to kind of like talk. Like it looks like a weird scarecrow inside of somebody's neck talking. It reminded me a little bit of like a Clayface character yeah, yeah. Uh, from Batman animated, animated series. That. Yeah. And it, it just, it looked gross, but it was very cool and unexpected. I will at, say horrifying. that that happens, I believe before the finale, uh, but it's like that probably may, the maybe last that happens in the second to last episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. probably. Yeah, because okay. twenty four is a little more focused on uh, our two kind of main characters because literally everyone else has pretty much been killed uh, <laughs> at this point. Spoiler alert for this fifteen year old show, twenty uh, fourth episode. But I actually really like the power sets of these two characters. So our Romeo and Juliet, we have Genosuke and Obero, and they have their powers. they're pretty powerful but they're not showy they're not like you know they're not throwing fireballs they're not super stretchy and bendy they're not you know blowing anybody away at any given time but their power sets are kind of like focused within their eyes so Janosuke has been trained by other ninja and he has the uh the dojutsu which can reverse kind of any malicious intent of anyone he's looking at. So if somebody, yeah. if, if somebody was trying to kill him and they were coming at him, you could just kind of like look at them and they would turn their blades or whatever on themselves. So he always ends up kind of like untouched with a lot of dead people around him, having never really had to do anything. Now he's also very accomplished as like a swordsman and, and all kinds of other stuff because he can't rely on just his eyes for good reason, because he's blinded multiple times in this uh, <laughs> series itself over the 24 episodes. Um, and then we mentioned Obero's uh, eyes too, but they essentially just neutralize anybody else's power. So if she looks at you, whatever your power was is is neutralized. So those two together, I find really interesting from a narrative perspective because there's an, to me, a really interesting standoff between the two of them at the very, very end that has a lot of interesting kind of like philosophical meat to chew on based on their eyes. If they can see, if they choose to use their powers, what their powers are, there's some neat stuff there. And, and you know, as you're saying this, like the, the story point to understand is that at the very end, Oburo decides well, she has uh, real quick do well, we need to explain go. romeo and juliet to anybody uh i mean spoiler alert, <laughs> you want to sum you it up real quick it? yeah uh two two warring houses yeah. that don't like each other yeah. two star-crossed lovers okay. uh who who want who want to get together they love each and other. and there are pining for each other mm. finally they're able to be kind of brought together and in the the final kind of throws and moments uh, end up well. I think if you're reading Romeo and Juliet, uh, Romeo, Romeo uh, is grieving because he thinks that Juliet is dead, and so he stabs himself. And Juliet then is not really dead. She's Surprise, just kind of been, just pretending. Yeah, she's just kind of pretending. She's taking like an elixir. Yeah, she and, took too much Nyquil. And yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> so who hasn't? <laughs> so she she wakes up with a little bit of bed or a little bit of a Nyquil head, mm-hmm. and. She is like, oh no, what's happened to my love? And then she kills herself. So yeah. it's a very tragic story. It's a roughie. Right. So in this instance, regarding, you know, sort of the eyes and, and how those particular gazes and the powers that they hold, 
in this moment, uh, Oboro has kind of cried over top of uh, Genosuke, and he d- he was he, he was previously he was previously like spat in the eye. One of the other opponents spat in his eye and kind of like sealed his eyes. So right. for days or however long, his eyes were like sealed up and like crusted over. He had really bad pink eye, essentially. Couldn't see anything, couldn't use his eyes, had to fight blind, all that good stuff. Conjunctivitis. yeah. Special power conjunctivitis. Right, so he, he wasn't able to see. And in, in these final moments, uh, Oboro has turned the blade on herself and she has taken her life. And then you see Jinosuke, like, you know, he has he's been mortally... And, and and like critically injured in a previous sword fight with Tenzin uh, in this moment, you know, he sees that like his love is, is in the process of dying. Uh, you know, maybe he could have released or reversed that malicious intent, but he didn't have the use of his eyes until those final, final moments where he basically walks into a river uh, with Obero and they both kind of collapse. And he takes it. the same blade and, and offs he, himself too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the interesting, I mean, all I mean, that is it's, super it felt like it was redundant. Like he was, was just like, like well, yeah. let's just make sure. I don't know that I want to, you know. Yeah. Um, w- there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. So one, these two were the last of the 20 ninja who were all vying against each other for control of the land, essentially, and to become the next shogun. Mm-hmm. So that's the star-crossed part. These two don't want to fight each other. They also don't really want to take over as, as Shogun. They don't want to be in charge of these crazies, <laughs> these completely insane houses. Who would? They don't really want to do it. And then they're forced to have to either like kill each other or to their uh, their own kind of fates. They each take their own lives. So a number of interesting things. So Obro takes her own life, but also kind of heal, nah, not really heals, but kind of cures uh, Genosuke's eyes. If she would have had the the mystic eyes, if he used his eyes, there's a lot of interesting kind of interplays there. Like, right. like you said, he could have used his power to change her intent, forcing her to try to kill him. But mm-hmm. if she had her eyes going, that would have neutralized his power to begin with. So yeah. you, you would be left with this philosophical question of like, well, who was using whose power against each other and who was acting of their own accord and who was who was being coerced or whatever? But because Genosuke is blinded, that takes all that out of the equation. So you're right. left with just this understanding that she sacrificed herself and then he sacrificed himself because neither of them wanted to deal with any of this garbage. They both just wanted to be together. There's there's a, a quote he has that says, a spirit split in two will join together. And that's from right. throughout the, the episodes. Uh, there's flashback scenes to them that are really nice. They're always talking about being together with each other. It just wasn't fated to be. So I think he, he writes on the scroll. He's basically like, Obero, she's the last one to survive. So Shogunate stays with the, uh, or passes to the Iga family. And then he just kind of offs himself too. So right. interesting stuff there. And he just throws it up into the air. And Take it, Hawk. Hawk, <laughs> Hawk Silverhawk just grabs Silver it. Silverhawk. Perfect. Love it. Uh, yeah. And it, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, these these two, uh, the the Koga and the, the Iga had been fighting and then they had brokered a, a yeah. peace treaty, and, and that was within their Gen- lifetimes too, because I right. remember that when they were younger. Yeah, and Genosuke had wanted to build and continue that peace by marrying Obero uh, to secure that. Basically, and then, like, the only normals left in these families, yeah. like just like let's just secure the normals <laughs> while these other nut jobs just run free. 
And then like when there is peace in yeah. sight, in clear sight, because everybody's kind of on board with the direction that they're going. They're like, you know what? Wow, Dave, how do you feel about a 10 verse 10 ninja battle? I feel real good. Why? I feel real good Why? about killing off most of my heirs. I don't, that's one thing I don't really understand about this. And maybe I'd have to watch the whole thing again, but okay. the original Shogun didn't die. He just kind of retired. So this whole hmm. thing started with two of his grandsons were leaders of their separate clans and their houses. They all started fighting against each other, but he was the one that kind of instigated and started the whole thing, starting right. with the, their heads of house, who were also star-crossed lovers, if we can kind of read between the lines here. Yep. So what the heck is going on <laughs> in this world, in this original story? I mean, I think if anything, you know, and, and you're talking about uh, Danjo and Ojen, who Correct. are in the first episode and, and you're, you're kind of, they're the ones that are kind of brokering this challenge. Right. And I, I, I want to think ultimately it's the idea of sort of, you know, time being cyclic right. or sort of, you know, people not learning their lesson from generation to generation. Yeah. And Danjo and Ojin, uh, in, I think it's the very end of, of episode one are kind of talking about the fact that, you know, this, this could have been us, like we could have been happy and it just wasn't in our stars. And in that moment, Danjo spits a needle and it begins to kill Ojin. And then in Ojin's final breath, she takes one of the needles out of her and impales Danjo and they both die next to this. And so the entire... But they, they also die. It, I don't know if you saw this, but they also die and then like float with each other down river. the river. And yeah, then which, later on, actually, this was in episode 10. They do a recap of it. And there's sort of like one of the other, uh, it's, um, what's his name? Uh, Kyo Hachiro which is uh, Hattori Hanzo's kind of like adopted son. Mm -hmm. uh, he is reporting back to the Shogun and was just like, well, I saw the I saw where their bodies were after they killed each other and I just decided to let them be because they were just peacefully drifting down the river in each other's arms, even though they had just straight murdered each other. So yeah, to your point, I think it's a cyclical nature and that we really don't learn from our previous mistakes. And, and if you were thinking to yourself, Sean, I feel like there's a literary technique that we've already named for this. Maybe it's called foreshadowing. Oh, oh my gosh, you so are much. you are so astute, and you nailed that idea right on the head because yeah. that's exactly what it is. That's how we end up seeing Obero and Genosuke in each other's arms in the water, floating down. I, I just, you know, it, it's an interesting bookend to the whole story to to see that not only did Danjo and Ojin not get to have this great life but at least they got to grow and have full lives yeah. and their family they, they essentially were like a thousand years old by the time they right. died yeah <laughs> they essentially cursed them yeah. to have to repeat their no exact reason. mistakes for, for no, no reason. reason that's no that's reason. the one thing that kind of stuck with me it was just kind of like i don't know i didn't really get the reason behind it um but it was, i mean it was a cool story to watch other than that i do yeah. like that we get a little button at the end uh post credit scene before the marvel universe Please tell me about this because this little stinger is great. It's good. So uh, maybe you have a different take on it than I do. But again, it's uh, Kyo Hachiro, who I just mentioned, uh, son of Hattori Hanzo. He's basically just been kind of like on the outside, like sometimes helping out, sometimes just keeping Cre track creeping. of everybody, just creeping around, not really getting super involved, but but keeping an eye on everybody and reporting back to like the heads of uh, the shogunate. He takes the flute uh, from Genosuke, which uh, Obero had, so she had his flute. He takes that and kind of like takes care of it. And there's this kind of narration as he's walking through town and the credits are rolling that everything there's a new time of peace and everything has kind of calmed down now that the 10-day the ninja war is over. 
he keeps the flute and he kind of pays homage to both of them. He's like the one person who will remember both of their sacrifices and what they did to, quote, you know, bring about the peace, which is definitely an interesting way to bring about peace rather than, I don't know, just live together and uh, unite the two clans, but whatever. So he's kind of the one who remembers them, pays his respects to them over the river that they float down, essentially, and then just kind of walks on into another peaceful era until, you know, they make a sequel 10 years later and it's not as good and uh, we pretend it doesn't exist. I think I feel as if Charles has some opinions about Charles has opinions. Charles has opinions about that. Maybe we, we'll watch that for a future episode. Maybe we'll yeah. dip it, Charles. Uh, possibly. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked a bunch about some of the good things. Yeah. Anything else that you want to before we kind of transition into some of the bad? I don't think so. Like, if you like ninjas, if you like some of the stuff we're going to talk about in a second, and if you like Romeo and Juliet, like, you'll find a lot to like in, in Basilisk. I think it may be, mm, I think we're good. I think I can get into the bad section. Wow, I felt like you were just kind of, you were ready to, like, review it right then and there, Dave. No, I was I was going to mention something that I didn't particularly like, but I was waiting for an official transition. Okay, no, 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 no. Okay, let's, uh, I think we are squarely in the bad. Yeah. Go on. What's up? A little long. Uh, there were times where I felt a little filler, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's a little filler here and there. The recap episode was fine, uh, if you hadn't watched the previous nine, which I did. Um, <laughs> but if you want to jump straight to ten, they'll tell you everything you need to know. A little bit of filler here and there. The flashback stuff, I didn't mind too much. It kind of fills in the story of where these families came from and why they're at each other's throats and, and why these two have been betrothed and actually do love each other. So there's some there's some nice stuff there, but... A little long. Maybe it's just the attention span these days and I don't have it, but uh, they could have condensed it a little bit. How about I mean, you? It's, it's, I, I mean, I feel in some cases the same way, but yeah. it's hard because I, I'm in the middle on this one. Okay. It's, I, I want to strike a balance between Ninja Scroll, which was very fun sure. and I really enjoyed it, but there were parts of it where I was like, I'd love a little bit more story or right. some of the, the eight devils of Kimon. I'd love to know a little bit more because we only get to see them for a very, very limited amount of time for a fight. And that's it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, there's, there are particular characters and skills that you get a chance to see over a couple episodes with some of these characters. And I, I enjoyed that. Is it 24 episodes worth that I need, especially really a three part ending, you know, which uh, time wise is maybe an hour. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to invest the time to be able to watch it. I mean, I have to. Charles, cartoon lawyers, you know. So I I needed that context, and I needed to kind of understand how that story properly ended, and sort of what those motivators were. Uh, did it like? Will I go back and watch the other? You know, maybe 18 episodes that I haven't watched. Uh, who knows? You know, it, it's. Uh, I mean, spoiler spoiler alert, I probably will because I want to see some cool ninja battles. And that's the thing. It's like that middle ground is like they're cool standalone battles, sometimes weirdly out of context. Sometimes they just show up places that you're just like, where are we? What's happening? Oh, we're fighting? Okay, cool. Like it, it, sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's yeah. just a group of them get together and they're ambushed or there's just two of them in the woods and they're fighting one-on-one. But a lot of it is just kind of like there's almost too many characters to really know what's going on at any given time unless you watch it multiple times. So yeah. I don't know, not for me to probably go through and watch it all again or even reinvest in the few episodes that I missed, but it just feels a little stretched. I do like the idea that when they fight, it's not necessarily the last time you'll see that character. You get a taste of what they can do and then maybe they have a rematch, which is kind of cool too. But sometimes right. the same characters kind of clash over and over again and I'm just kind of like, all right, let's let's move on. <laughs> Rarely do they get the chance to actually like augment each other's powers too which I feel like was a missed opportunity. They do work together sometimes, but for the most part, it's kind of mono-a-mono. 
You know, they don't right. they don't really team up to go house against house. It's always ninja versus ninja. Yeah. And in yeah. some cases, very, very early on, I yeah. think within like the first three or four episodes, it's like five verse one. Yeah. Or well, it, I think it's what the egas who are really ganging up on the Koga, and I may have that flipped because one house knows that this this kind of tournament is for control of the land and the other house doesn't know the other house doesn't even know that the pact has the uh, peace pact has been nullified until about halfway through the series yeah. so they don't find out until you know 10 12 episodes in that like oh we're actually in like a battle to the death for something right. important so maybe we should get our axe in gear and it is the ega that kind of take the scroll that sort of announces everything about the tournament so the koga have no idea no that this is that this is coming all they know is that they are getting attacked and hit hard yeah so it's it, it i'll say this one of the things that obviously as i mentioned earlier it's impossible not to draw the comparison to ninja scroll yeah impossible uh, you know and, and i don't want to belabor this point but there are even specific characters from ninja scroll even just the names which i'm sure are common names and historical names uh, that were probably either Iga or Koga Ninjas back in the day. Well, they're uh, also it, both uh, adaptations of Futaro Yamada's work too. Correct. So they do have the same kind of source material. It's just kind of weird that one happened, you know, 12 years before the other, and yet right. it feels like it's part of the same world. Yeah, and that that's a challenge, is to feel like it is the part of the same world. A lot of, I want to say, in some cases, some of, you know, if, if Ninja Scroll came out in 1993... Uh, it felt very of the time and it was very impressive, you know, for that period of time and for anime uh, just in general. Watching this in 2005, uh, it, it obviously it looks like it's been updated a little bit more from 2005. You know, I, I want to say even, you know, maybe the Ninja Kagero from Ninja Scroll, uh, very angular kind of in uh, sort of like her her feminine jawline. Yes. She's a very strong character and she's awesome. Um you know, but just it, it, she's a very distinct style. When you see the 2005 Basilisk version of women, they're a little bit more fan servicey in some case. Definitely. Uh, which is totally fine. Uh, and it, it's understood. I'm just I only bring that up to kind of illustrate a little bit of the difference. But there are a lot of elements that kind of can make the, the style comparison impossible not to make between the two, between Basilisk and Ninja Scroll, as well as also, you know, you see I mentioned uh you know, Kagero, there is a there is a character that is in this who has uh, who is even noted as being a central character in Ninja Scroll mm. um, who was inspired this particular character uh, who actually is able to poison enemies through sexual contact and has the exact same power in Basilisk. So, you know, we even get a character named Jubei who's very fun and we'll talk a little bit about uh, shortly. <laughs> Uh, you know, so you see all these different characters and it's impossible if you have enjoyed and watched Ninja Scroll previously, it's impossible to kind of shake that uh, because those are big. Those are enormous boots to fill. And I will say, too, now that we're like an hour into the discussion, uh, if you're <laughs> looking into checking this out, you should be aware that there's a lot of there's obviously a lot of violence. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of gore. But it's also a very like kind of sexually abusive series. So. There's a lot of kind of sexual abuse that happens. There's rape that happens. I uh, don't particularly yes. like, you know, uh, rape as a plot point in a lot of things. I don't recall that from Romeo and Juliet, but maybe I haven't read it uh, more recently. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's in the subtext Shakespeare and I missed out on it when I was in like sixth grade. I don't know. 
But, you know, Ninja Scroll had that too. Ninja right. Scroll had characters who were pretty rapey and perverted, but they also had the, you know, the female characters who could flip that. I think even our hero character uses uh, uses a power. Uh, I forget how she did it, but there was a way to kind of like subvert that and like flip the, the power balance so that they weren't, they were still technically like victims. They were still abused, but they found a way to kind of gain control and gain power out of that. And that does happen with some of our female characters here. Yes. But for other ones, it does not. It's just straight up sexual assault and rape and uh, it's repeated. Sometimes yeah. the same people, the same perpetrators and the same victims. And that's not great. So yeah. 2005, <laughs> there's uh, a lot to learn from 2020. But yeah. again, I think that probably goes back to, I'm assuming, and the I haven't read material. it. I think it might go back to the source material. But it's also, right. that fan service line is a tough one, man. I, I've watched a lot of anime where the, the fan service is, is quote unquote fine, but it's still kind of like, for me, it's just kind of tired. Like I don't need it for the story. And then it crosses a line sometimes where it's just like, oh, okay, now you're you're just sort of you're you're now in like wishful fulfillment territory where maybe it's just a cultural thing between the west and the east i don't know but again in the year 2020 a lot of that is not super acceptable anymore so if you're thinking about checking it out just be aware that that's going to be in there and it's going to be quite a bit just understand that there are a bunch of trigger warnings that are in this pretty much this is trigger warning the anime yeah (laughs) so it's definitely there and i agree with you like having rape as a plot point is not great yeah to like there are other ways to tell us like oh that's the bad guy we got it yeah <laughs> but this is oh, you, you mean, know it's an you mean the guy who that's who's murdered an entire yeah. village with a sword well when we're watching it. you know we're watching everybody yeah. murder everybody else sometimes yeah it might get a little difficult to tell the bad guys from the the not so bad yeah. guys but yeah interesting well luckily there are some just like straight up fun ridiculous moments too right that being said would you like to transition into some of those fun and ridiculous moments? Sure would. All the stuff we've talked about happens in only 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> so all 20 of these ninja, they start a war, they attack each other, they basically kill all of each other, uh, and then the last two are left standing, and they Romeo and Juliet themselves, and the war's over in 10 days. Uh, right. I guess they were all pretty close to each other. There wasn't a whole lot of moving around. They didn't have to, like, go across the country and and gather, you know, gather their their family together. They were all kind of there. So, yeah, 10 days and only two were left standing and then zero. So, right. that's fun. Oh, man. Uh, I, obviously, because we, you know, just uh, some of the sexual abuse is, uh, takes place in, I think, episode 22 and, and a little bit in 23. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> uh, leading up to the finale. And so... Uh, just there are no LOLs for me in this, but as we mentioned, uh, I guess we're going to kind of do a fun little pivot on this for Charles and say that there are some whoa moments. I got a couple minor LOLs and they really have nothing to do with the show. But one is if you're watching this on Hulu and you haven't paid the like 50 bucks a month or whatever it is to not have ads, sometimes ridiculous ads will pop up and sometimes they're like editing isn't quite right. So you'll be watching a scene play out. And then like a Levi's jeans commercial or something will come on and it'll be playing like like the freedom song or whatever as awful things are happening on the screen. And it's just kind of like this weird non sequitur overlap that that can be funny. There's nothing to do with the show itself. Uh, the one other thing that made me laugh at the very, very end, that metal riff, that guitar, that hard rock guitar from the theme song comes yeah. out of nowhere to signify that it's the end of the series because it's just blue sky. There's a hawk soaring before the credits even start rolling. 
that guitar just starts wailing, man. You're like, all right, I guess we're done. And that made me laugh. Yeah. What made you whoa? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, thank you for your LOLs. Sure. The, the woes that I had were just sort of a lot of the reveals that we had for the ninja powers yeah. that take place. And so there is uh, Kazamachi who has the ability to be able to spit and uh, that can like get solidified. And, yes. and, and the way that they describe That's it, they're the like, more important phlegm. Point. Yeah. <laughs> he spits Sticky phlegm. phlegm. Uh, that to me was sort of like a whole oh, man, kind of a cool reveal to sort of see how he was able to, to use and leverage that. His character design is very similar to, again, another ninja that's in Ninja Scroll. It doesn't matter. He's kind of a very beastly looking character. Very fun. A woe moment for me, I think one of maybe the biggest ones was the Jubei character sure, yeah. that is in this because Jubei is bananas in this. Why is he bananas? Because he's you shaped might like say, a banana. Well, he his abilities is that he has a snake physiology and he doesn't have any arms or legs. Nope. He is able to his, his like main mode of transportation is that he can he has like this breastplate that has like these little like feelers that can move. They're back like and little forth. metal plates that just like flip up and down. So if he's laying on the ground like stomach down, they just, just like zip just along like millipede legs. When that happened, I just went, "Oh my god, what are we watching?" Because so I'm fast too. Soul, <laughs> he was so on fast. This I did love when he comes up against another ninja, and he was holding a scroll in his mouth at the time, and he's like, "Look, bud, you're either gonna have to drop that. You're gonna have to drop that scroll if you want to use your like snake spear tongue that's in your mouth." So oh, essentially, that like, blade, yeah, yeah, the hidden blade. So essentially, saying that like these guys know each other. It's not like they're coming up against each other for the first time. So they're, they, they're pretty aware of what's going on. Yeah. That character was Tenzin. Right. That in the previous episode, he had impaled him right. and left him for dead. Right. So Tenzin was able to, because of that little symbiote, come back, which again is another like, whoa moment for me. Because in that moment, you think, uh, okay, this guy's obviously <laughs> immortal. Sure. Or, or how is Something's he doing this? Yeah. Or there's some cool power that we're about to find out about. But just... Uh, the, the Jubei hidden blade inside of his mouth. I guess there was an LOL. Uh, this will be my this will be my LOL, LOL for this uh, to kind of round out uh, the, this LOL portion for myself is that when he takes out the blade and stabs and, and like impales Tenzin, he then just goes, oh, I got to put this. I got to put this away so that nobody else finds out about my technique. So he begins to swallow the sword yeah. and he gets it all the way down. And like you see it, it's extended. It's graphic of like it moving down his neck because it's a, it's like a Full it's a dagger. sword just like yeah. Yeah, in his snake. And then body. he gets it in there and then he just burps. Yeah. <laughs> just like it was it was ridiculous. You swallow but, yeah. a lot of air when you're swallowing swords. But of course, like mm-hmm. you're gonna do that, and because of that air, Dave, you're gonna you're gonna let that little burp out. So there, it just there was a lot so of kind of like just potty humor and just kind of like gross out humor with like, uh, oh, what was his name? Oh, you talk about uh, Josuke? I was gonna say Josuke, but then I was like, hold on, is that yeah, <laughs> is that JoJo's bizarre adventure? But no, <laughs> like yeah, Josuke and any of his battles, which again they get into the pervy zone, and it's it's hard to really enjoy any of these characters because they get creepy at one point. But but yeah, I enjoyed that. Can't be as creepy as uh, Azuki, who's got the just the the flexible, like bendable body that just expands all the time. Oh, old One Piece, old yeah. uh, old Monkey <laughs> old, D Luffy, old Luffy, old Luffy, yeah, old Spider Luffy. Luffy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
uh old summer squash head luffy yep. perfect yep uh, now is he the it. one also when he gets like dehydrated he just turns into like a little a little fetus creature who needs no, water or is that a different that's guy? uh that's the guy with the uh with the bad skin oh that's like the half water Amayo. guy. yeah yeah this yeah. show is so weird, you guys. Yeah, he just he like he uh he dissolves. He yeah. like dissolves water. into a smaller water. smaller person. Just a head. Yeah. <laughs> just becomes like he looks like a he looks like a yokai. Yeah, basically. <laughs> just <laughs> I will say one of my woe moments was maybe when uh Madude came out the wall and just like was the wall. He's just oh. one with wall. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's fun one with wall. All of them Why have would... interesting powers. It was just it was yeah. a little hard for me to keep them straight. <laughs> Right. And, it, you know, and it, it's it's hard. I want to say thanks to fandom. Yes. Dot com for having Everything. an actual visual guide of all the characters. I ended up using and leveraging that throughout a majority of the watch and this podcast. for the, the six or seven episodes that I saw. Yeah. I think that is my LOLs. Dave, are you good? I'm good. There's not a lot of laughs to be found. In this not show. a lot of laughs. Not a lot of laughs, gang. Uh, and I will say well, too, it's a well-produced show, so there's yes. not a lot of gaffes either. There's not a lot of like, tech, you know, quote unquote, like jank stuff that we usually like to <laughs> poke at and laugh at. There's nothing <laughs> like that there. It's really well produced. Right. Well, we're now at the point where we can give our recommendations. So for any newer returning listeners, we can recommend a cartoon, and we can say, yeah, absolutely, this is a good use of your time. Check it out. Get into it. We can also say that we don't recommend a cartoon, and in that instance. We can tell you exactly why and maybe make a recommendation on something that you would enjoy even more. If we don't recommend a cartoon, we can go one step further and we can put this into the Who Framed Roger Rabbit style dip. Yep, the dip. It erases it from the annals of cartoon history and we'll never really talk about it on this show again unless it is to ridicule it, which we have done. I think we've only done it like five or six times. Ridicule? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we ridicule a lot of stuff. That's. (laughs) That's the Gang, job. if you're listening, and this is what, 277 or 278? yeah. Yeah, at this point, if you don't know that we're ridiculing stuff, we're, we're going for 365 episodes of just nothing but ridicule. Yeah. <laughs> so, fun. Dave. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Basilisk. Mm-hmm. How you feeling, friend? For Charles? Yeah. I feel, I feel Michigan. pretty good. I would say if you're a fan of Ninja Scroll, and like Sean said, you want kind of a longer version, or you want a series version... If you're a fan of Romeo and Juliet and always thought to yourself, hey, this needed ninjas and some mature content and a lot of weird supernatural powers, this is up your alley. I will just say again with that trigger warning of, you know, a lot of sexual abuse and uh, not so great stuff in this day and age. So if you're aware of that and can handle that and are okay with that, yeah, check it out. Basilisk is, it's a solid series. It's a standalone. I don't think you need to watch that sequel. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, But this 24 episode chunk is a good, solid story with a bunch of crazy stuff. Really good action quality animation from Gonzo. And a good example of kind of early to mid-2000s uh, anime that, that came over from Japan and uh, was kind of like exposed to Western audiences. So, yeah, I'd say seek it out. How about you? I'm in the same boat. Uh, I, I Almost for the identical reasons. If you watched Ninja Scroll and thought to yourself, I want to see more than just these one battles... Yeah with these devils of Kimon. Right. Yeah. Basilisk a hundred percent. Why wouldn't you want to watch this? These people have insane powers and it is very weird, a little bit predictable in terms of its story, because sure. obviously we're telling you it's Romeo and Juliet, but just with cool ninja powers. <laughs> if that doesn't dissuade you, then yeah, a hundred percent watch Basilisk. 
I sort of alluded to the fact whether or not I would go back and actually watch some of the missing episodes. I, I will. This this is available. This is out there. This is on Hulu. And as Dave mentioned, Gonzo did a great job with the animation on yeah. this. And these fighting and battle scenes are either very brutal or they are very artistic in nature as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm I'm on board for this. I love me some ninja battles. You throw in magical ninja battles. Uh, I'll still maybe take Charles to task and say, nothing's cooler. Nothing, Charles. But for what it's worth, Basilisk, very cool, gets my recommendation. Nice. Two out of two. Yeah. Two out of two. Next week, the so. sequel. <laughs> do we want to do that? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't know. Charles technically said not to, so we're contractually obligated never to cover it, I think. Yeah. Unless think someone else calls in and says you have to cover it, and then we're back at even. Oh, hold on a minute. Cartoon lawyer on the phone. Oh, what's yep. he say? He said you're right. We're okay, good. cool. We don't awesome. have to watch it. I've been I read those contracts. Oh, we're gonna watch something else. <laughs> <laughs> good, good to know. Yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, thank you so much, Charles from Michigan, for calling in and telling us to watch Basilisk. We really appreciate it. Uh, we know that we've been sitting on this one for a little bit, and we're really glad that you stuck with us so that we could actually get into this because as you've heard, Dave and I both love it. Yeah. So we're on board. Well, that's it. You heard him on this episode, our friend Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience, along with his co-host Bobby Blades. Check him out on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. Bobby also has a solo show, in Search of My Lost Soul. It's in the Inhuman Experience stream. So subscribe to Inhuman Experience. Get In Search of My Lost Soul free. Actually, I mean, they're both free. How often are you paying for podcasts? You're not paying for this. No. Enjoy. You can find it anywhere the podcasts are available, Apple, Stitcher, anywhere else. Dave, what do you got going on, buddy? Same old stuff, bud. You can find me over at Collider.com, editing all kinds of stuff. You can chat me up on Twitter at DrClawMD and yell at me about spoilers or whatever else you want. You can also check out my book, The Science of Breaking Bad, from MIT Press, available on Amazon and wherever else books are sold. How about you, bud? What's going on? What's new? Uh, I typically do live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. But N-O-X exclamation point in Washington, D.C. But guess what? We are all living through a moment. <laughs> we actually are doing improv shows that are online nice. if you're interested in watching a show just go over to witdc.org they have tickets i believe they're free you could possibly watch me from the comfort of your own living room just like me uh, on a show yeah so you could check it out it is a uh, witdc.org and we are knox check us out uh i'm always on instagram and twitter at sean paul ellis i'm probably drawing pictures of bug snacks right now so good. i don't know i'm just thinking about bug snacks who isn't uh for playstation 5 just very excited about that and you can also hear my comedy podcast my improvised comedy podcast it's called the bureau it posits what is it like for four people who work for the fbi to suddenly start a podcast in a break room that's the Bureau. You can check it out. It has uh, notable guests that we've had in our show, such as Isabel Galbraith, as well as also Jamal Newman, who are on it, and our friend Jesse Chimes. Uh, it's the four of us just joking around. It is a 100% improvised podcast, and we have completed the second season. I think we are in the process of releasing that. Episodes come out on Saturdays. So check it out and let us know what you think. And also, everybody, let Sean know a happy birthday, because by the time you're hearing this, it will have been <laughs> Sean's birthday. So if you're listening to this point in the podcast, first of all, we love you. Second of all, <laughs> yeah. say happy birthday to Sean. Happy birthday, bud. Aww, thanks, gang. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, speaking of my birthday, if you want a very nice birthday gift to me, go over to our Patreon. You can go to our Patreon. Search Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, it's morning with a U. And you can become a patron. We really appreciate it. 
uh, we are moving, and by we, I mean Dave is moving in the direction of working to actually produce and create some original content yeah. and animation. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Go over there. You can support us. Also, because we don't understand how Apple iTunes works, because it is a black hole of the internet, just tell a friend that you think would like this. If you want to write a review, awesome. Thank you so much for everybody who has. Just tell a friend. We've been around for so long. We really do appreciate it, and we think other people will enjoy the show, too. Want to slide into our DMs on Twitter? At Morning Tunes. Remember, morning with you. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Drop us an old-fashioned email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You can find all of this in the link tree is in the bio for all of our social media accounts as well as also the way that charles recommended and called in to tell us to watch basilisk this week you can also listen to us on youtube apple Podcasts, itunes stitcher google play spotify anywhere fine podcasts are sold thank you charles from michigan for telling us to watch this we really do appreciate it and we'll be back next week we got through the entire episode without a charles in charge joke really yeah you I mean, you just... That was it. That was the joke. (laughs) That's the joke. Congrats, Charles. That's That's the tweet. See you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.